Hall University and the Department of English Carver College for Women. So I would also like to thank the Honorable uh, Vice Chancellor, Professor Barusani, for his support, as well as Professor Abrajita Gandhapajak, head of the Department of International Relations, as well as Dr. Aldina Braganza Gomez, officiating principal at Carmel College for Women. I also would like to thank the three distinguished speakers that we will broaden and reach our first session. Professor Sonia Sudari Gupta, who has just done it, and Mr. Chauvin Saxena, as well as Mrs. Shriya Banerjee, and all the presenters that will contribute magnificently as speaker today. I would also like to recognize the great effort of colleagues who have worked very hard preparing the seminar, as well as conceptualizing its substance. So let me first start with an insight into David Bada's image as a man behind the myth. His name, as it was written in his first ID and passport, was Ernesto Guevara de la Serna. But he was known at different times throughout his life. or Ramon. He received an official Cuban passport when a decree declared him a Cuban citizen by birth in 1959, a tribute to his role in the Cuban Revolution although he renounced it when he went off to fight in the Congo. And from then on, he possessed several false passports with assumed names such as Adolfo Menaro, a businessman from Uruguay, whose identity he used to enter Bolivia for what was to be his final campaign. But the world knows, knows him as Che, as Argentine researcher Lucina, Lucia Álvarez de Toledo recalls, the nickname was given to him by his comrades in arms in Mexico when they were training for the invasion of Cuba. He loved it. He said, for me, Che represents the most essential, the most loved aspect of my own life. How would I not like it? The first and second names of a person are small things, personal, insignificant. In contrast, I like Che very much. I like it very much when people call me Che. So the word Che was widely used in Latin America to refer to Argentines. It is an, an, an allusion to an interjection with which we, Argentinians, favor our conversation when we talk to another person. For example, we usually would say, ¿Qué haces, Che? Which means, how are, how are you doing, Che? In fact, it's an interjection that always refers directly to the other whom we are talking to. It can be interpreted as you or brother. So it's an interesting it's interesting to highlight how this nickname evocates not only a feature of his own, but a feature that recalls its linkage and involvement with the others. The expression has now been definitely hit hacked by Guevara, but it reminds us of a, a crucial aspect, aspect of his life. He was an Argentine. Che Guevara wanted to be a new man in a world which was still old. This is how the Catalan philosopher Francisco Fernández Way defines him. 
when he recorded in the late 50s and 60s. He achieved that in the only way that this can be achieved in a socially divided world, with a tragic awareness of the self-confidentialism and optimism of the will, with a certain fatalistic stoicism, the love of travel, adventure, and revolution were his hallmarks. Existential restlessness always drove him to travel, but never, not even in his youth, was he a tourist. Disagreement or conflict with those closest to him drove him to flight, but he always ended up turning the flight into an adventure. And once he was involved in the adventure, he imposed order, discipline, and athletism on himself. Many men and women admired him for this, for his decency, for his nobility, for his equal treatment, for his mettle, for his bravery, his determination, his spirit of, spirit of sacrifice, for his informal gestures, for his iconoclastic vocation, even when he held power. In Latin America, at the end of the 1950s, many saw in Guevara a version contradictory and tragic, but morally acceptable of the true Christian religious spirit. Many close testimonies, including one of my family, confirms. In the Catholic schools, we would collect money to send Che and Fidel, says my aunt-in-law, who was very close to Che's environment, being the fiancé of Che's cousin, Guillermo de Baralinch. My uncle-in-law was also a friend of Guillermo de Baralinch at the Salvador School. And they still meet these days, once in a while. Everything that surrounded Che was romantic. My mother recalls, referring to the vision of Che that she and many other young people had of Guevara at the end of the 1950s in Argentina. News were coming from Sierra Maestra. They were living in tents, hidden in the middle of the jungle. There was a picture that showed a huge crucifix behind them. They represented an ideal. We dreamt at that time of being in the guerrilla with them to overthrow Batista. The Cuban Revolution's success was highly celebrated in Argentina. It only became controversial when communist measures began to be implemented, when Fidel's government began to show its true face. The brother of my friends recalls my mother again, Malena Garcila San Martin. He was called Palito San Martin, went to Cuba to the revolution, like many other young Argentinians. Shortly after, he returned and was received at the port with praise. Che's brothers themselves, as well as many others, followed Che footsteps, and many ended up in prison, like his own youngest brother, Juan Martin, who was sent to prison by the Argentine military dictatorship for eight long years. Recalling further close remembrances of the Argentinian Che by those years, my mother-in-law used to spend long periods in Che's grandparents' house in the city of Mar del Plata, Argentina, from 1959 to 1967. Her family would rent the house of Mrs. Marco del Ponte de Guevara Lynch, Che's grandmother, and spend the whole summer vacations there. 
Chess family belonged to one aristocratic family, but economically diminished. It was a typical Mar de Plata stone house with two floors, a full garden of high branches, a door with low bars. From the door, you could see the Stella Maris Church and five blocks away the steam cherry cross. But Mar de Plata was at that time, and even today, the most thriving coastal city, and especially in the eyes of young people, the most attractive, attractive for its, its entertainment and nightlife. But she would recall again, but she at that time was not interested in living the comfortable life that his cousins and friends from the social struggle led. And though she recalls, from early on he had his eyes set on something else. In fact, in his first journey diaries, which he wrote in 1952, he has mentioned that he had only stopped in the north of Mar del Plata at an uncle's house only to stock up supplies and continue their route farther south. Even in Miramar, the next coastal city, he defines this choice by leaving behind his fiancée, Chichina Carreira, and the social class world that she represented. Between July 2nd and 3rd in 1959, Ernesto writes to his mother, Dear mother, the old dream of visiting all the countries returns to me today. Although the sense of the collective has grown a lot in me, as opposed to the personal, I am still the same loner who is looking for his way without any personal help. Only now I have a sense of my historical duty. I feel not only a powerful inner force, which I always felt, but also the ability to inject it into others. That and an absolute fatalistic sense of my mission takes away all fear. The awareness of his destiny and the awareness that that destiny exceeded the individual and the non-limits of his world of views are imprinted on him through his first journey through South America. Between 2000 and 2005, when I was 20 and 20, between 20 and 25 years old, I traveled to the places where Che had fathered when he was my age. I crossed, I crossed the seven lakes in the south of Argentina and went on several trips to Bolivia and Peru, only with my backpack. I crossed the Bolivian highlands, the high plains, the mines, the jungles, and the territories that Guevara described in his diaries. In Peru, I thoroughly crossed the Asian Incavani, which is even today populated by the indigenous communities that strive to sustain their indigenous traditions in the midst of a political, economic, and social reality that gradually favors them. The deep Latin America, which in many aspects was no so different from that seen by Che, continued at the beginning of the 21st century, making use of these political, social, and economical structures not too distant from those that Che identified and set out to transform. Indigenous idiosyncrasies of Latin America, especially from my point of view, as well as chess, both coming from a great metropolis with European aspirations, as Buenos Aires, also marked from that moment onwards my worldview 
of the continent and my identity as a Latin American. After those enriching experiences, when I returned back to Buenos Aires, I finished my grade in history. I left my job, my family house, and life in Argentina, and moved to the Bolivian Amazon jungle. Along with my husband, I settled in a very small town in the region of Santa Cruz de la Sierra, called San Jose de Chiquitos, in a house made of clay, adobe, and metal sheets, and lived there for three years working for a Bolivian NGO that implemented El Sistema, a Venezuelan system that brings education to children. I moved to the Bolivian Amazon jungle in 2007. Only 40 years earlier, in 1967, a few hundred kilometers from the town I was living in the Amazon jungle, Ernesto Guevara de la Serna was assassinated by the CIA and the Bolivian army in a small hamlet of Guarani indigenous population called La Higuera. La Higuera, 40 years later after Guevara's death, as many other similar towns in the Amazon jungle, has a main street that is an urban road of not more than 500 meters. And along this road, dotted on one side and the other, there are small adult houses. During the day, the open doors reveal that these are only one-room homes with an earthen floor whose backyards are the near extension of the hills. During the drafts, dust permeates to the corners of each of the 13 houses that make up the rains, the whole hundred becomes a quite mire. Located in the foothills of the Andes, where there is no public lighting and where electricity only arrived five years ago, the poverty of the area, even today, forces people to move from their communities to the big cities. Despite being 300 kilometers from Santa Cruz de la Sierra, which is considered to be one of the most popular tourist, tourist attractions in Bolivia, La Higuera is not, even today, easily accessible. To get to La Higuera, at least eight hours of travel is required along winding roads in poor conditions. The landslides caused by the rains are common, and the last supply of gasoline or food can be only can be only made in Bukhara, a tiny town of 800 inhabitants some kilometers away. After that, Langera today has 40 inhabitants. It was during the indigenous president Evo Morales government that the old two-room school where Che was assassinated. Paradoxically, he was assassinated in a school was replaced by a new two-room school where the ten children in the hamlet attend class. The Morales government also built a basketball court and a health social center which is now attended by Cuban doctors in Lengua. In the middle of the simplicity of the town square, the dog wall museum and the statue of about three meters of Che Guevara stands tall, welcoming the tourists to the hamlet. The statue of Che raises under the Amazon sun as a legend of a, of a dream, a utopia which sought to change the destiny of a country, of an entire continent, and even today caused the symbol of a man's struggle, which then and now history has paradoxically turned into a myth.
within the hundreds of studies that have been focused on Guevara's figure as a man and as a myth, interpretation of his life throughout history has been, has been and is still controversial. On one hand, as Professor Sonia Tulare Gupta states, regarding Che for a popular and revolutionary feat beyond the image on the posters and t-shirts implies knowing him as the organic intellectual that he was and that his thought represents for the people of the global south. Thirdly, Mr. Soban Saxena will deepen into these two implied perspectives, Che as a global pop icon versus the Latin American Che as a leading political force. On the other hand, Mrs. Shriya Banerjee will immerse that into Che Guevara's visit to India in 1959 to encompass the scope of his interest and impact in international affairs. Along with different papers that will be presented today, we'll delve into the many facets, perspectives, and approaches that Guevara's studies foster. His path, admired by some and questioned by others, becomes a symbol that even today fills a void for references and for figures which may lead to that deep and sometimes perhaps forgotten human will to build a more just and supportive world from everyone. So to sum up, I would like to recall the most important and essential understanding which I think impacted me the most everlasting mark about Che. And, we, and this is the way Che Guevara essentially lived. He never stopped asking himself questions. He never stopped questioning his life and questioning the world around him. I, whether in agreement or disagreement with his political position, we may recognize that Che was also fully committed to his time. He had the bravery to step out to see the world around him. Secondly, to question that world and the structures that shaped it. And finally, set his life into action towards that goal. Resembling Czech, we can sense that only by discovering an inner revolution, an inner revolution, that hopeful reality and hope that hopeful reality we seek for ourselves and for our societies may willingly one day come true. So thank you very much for your kind attention and I hope the seminar will be a great success. Thank you very much. Thank you, Clara. That was a very gripping account of uh, your lived experience in uh, the regions which Che has actually visited and traveled, and particularly your account of spending time with uh, uh, children in Bolivia and in a place uh, contiguous to where uh, Che uh, passed on. Um, we now invite uh, Shobhan Saxena, international correspondent, scholar and cultural curator, who's joining us from Brazil, where I'm told it's almost midnight. Ashokan, thank you very much for taking this trouble to be with us. The stage is yours. Good morning, uh, Dr. Brian Mendoza. Uh, good morning to all my fellow panelists, Dr. Sonia Gupta, uh, Dr. Clara Astarboa, uh, Shreya Banerjee. Uh, bon dia. Uh, 
just because of your dynamism that this is happening. And uh, I think uh, the synergy between Kamal College and uh, Boy University has really been outstanding. Thank you very much to you and your team. Without you, this would not have been possible. We look forward to your collaboration in the parallel sessions as well. I don't think uh, Shobhan is joined yet. Can I invite uh, the fourth speaker, Shreya, to please uh, deliver the plenary address? Shreya Banerjee. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Am I audible? You are very, very audible and clear. Please go ahead. Okay, thank you. A very good morning to all and uh, uh, I would like to thank the organizers first of all, uh, Department of International Relations, Goa University and Carmel College for Women. Uh, thank you, uh, special thanks to Clara for inviting me to deliver the talk. And uh, I'll just take a second because I, I have a presentation to show, so I'll just try to
the visit of Che Guevara uh, is, you know, ought to be recorded as a historically significant tour of Asia. The complementary motivations of his visit were economic and political in nature. You know, to build a strong block of countries that will stay away from Cold War era bipolar politics. Also, to build a consensus among NAM countries. And this was not only limited to the Cold War politics, but also to build favorable relations with countries so as to address Cuba's growing domestic needs. As Professor Gupta has rightly mentioned, you know, that he was heading uh, the few institutions back there in Cuba. So here his visit was uh, overall uh, related to economic and uh, political motivations. So, uh, in this paper, I have tried to analyze the importance of Che's visit in terms of the state reception, that how he has been received in India. It also examines the ideological basis of both the charismatic leaders, that is Che and Nehru, that provided a structure to the foreign policies of their countries. It also indicates the convergences and divergences in India and Cuba's policies and outlook during the 1950s and 60s. So basically, all in all, this paper is trying to fill the gap of a non-existing academic debate surrounding Che's visit, as this has been largely ignored for a long period of time. So uh, when he came to India, he was leading a six-member delegation, out of which two were economists. So he expressed a strong desire for strengthening trade and economic relations between the two countries. So his visit to India was not very well documented in the press as you know while doing this research I visited few libraries and archives where I could find only in the leading dailies and in you know very very brief headlines about his visit so it was not very very well documented and also he has visited many sites highlighting rapid industrialization and infrastructural development. He was upset by the fact that there exists a wide gap between the rich and the poor also, the ideas of the charismatic leader, both Che and Nehru, so the uh, major ideas of Che's ideology were humanism and internationalism. Also, Nehru had similar ideals of socialism, internationalism and nationalism. So, their views were at many points at par with each other. Uh, when he came to India, Nehru presented him a kukri, which is the, uh, as a gift, which was the symbol of understanding and showing recognition to the prevalent ideologies and ways of achieving independence. So, uh, the convergences and divergences based on the ideologies uh, can be documented as uh, the Cuban foreign policy is anti-hegemonic in character and the political culture of Cuban foreign policy, uh, basically international assertiveness and moral impetus, which was strikingly progressive. Also, the European foreign policy during that period was also of internationalist in nature and the central element of his policy was to maintain ethical modernity. So, uh, the foreign policies of uh, both the countries had same vision and approach which brings them closer to each other. Uh, Towards the international solution to domestic needs, if we say, uh, so the challenge for the Cuban regime was the grave economic situation prevailing in the country. To overcome that, Cuba wanted to establish and improve the existing trade relation. Sugar was the basis of the Cuban economy. They wanted to export more of it and create resources for the funding of expensive projects to move away from US hegemony. So the two countries were exploring ways and means of developing trade with each other. The major development, political development rather I would say, which happened after his visit, that the Cubans already had a consulate in Calcutta. But there was no Indian diplomatic mission engaged in Cuba. So thereafter, an Indian embassy was established in Cuba in 1960. 
and his visit was based basically on domestic needs as it was a critical moment in human history causing economic hardships. Not only this, the manifestation of the policy of non-alignment started a united movement looking upon the conditions of peace in the world as sine qua non for freedom and progress. And uh, I would also uh, like to add here, uh, yeah, so uh, that uh, after reading this paper, I got more interested and I did one more research regarding, you know, the relevance of Chase ideas and thoughts and this iconography. So uh, I did a research in a uh, central university based in Delhi where I interviewed the student activist, you know, how they are perceiving Che and his thoughts and how relevant are those thoughts and ideas in their present day student activism. So I have interviewed around 25 to 13 student activists in the university and what I found uh, after, you know, my research and uh, field observations is that, you know, uh, Che has been uh, Che has been forgotten in the mainstream uh, left political parties as also his visit to India is never discussed. It, it is, you know, mostly been overlooked. So even the communist uh, parties also uh, have no much documentation, but they have a structural logic to forget him as well. So a completed effort was made to brush his memory so that he can only be used as a brand in the you know, market of consumer goods. And also the recent development in that university, so you know there are many days uh, people are you know, remembering him. So there was an establishment of a new dhaba which is named as a gorilla dhaba and uh, this became a lot of uh, uh, like because a lot of people wants to remember him in their own ways and this was one of the ways they found out. So uh, uh, yeah, in the end I would say that Che will be more relevant in the future times to come. He is relevant for his revolutionary idols as you know he has everything is revolutionary in his life form basically from his photography to the way he lived, the way he spoke, the way he wrote. So the holistic approach of Che is, has to be located in the revolutionary tradition unless and until that has been done. He will be you know most of the times will be misinterpreted or you know misunderstood. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is all and I would also like to, you know, briefly mention about my research area, what I am presently researching on is about the Indo-Mexican relations. Uh, so, uh, I am trying to, you know, uh, join the dots and the connecting links between India and Mexico as well. So, I have started my research doing this paper and also I would like to share that I am very overwhelmed to see such a, you know, keen interest of the students in, uh, for a topic like this because I myself have studied in a women's college and I, I can understand the, you know, enthusiasm you all must be having here. So, uh, yeah, let's hope uh, we will be having a great day ahead and thank you so much again to the organizers and to everybody. So, thank you. Thank you very much, Shreya. Uh, thank you for uh, speaking and highlighting things which have occurred in our own backyard. Uh, we find uh, at many times that when it comes to Che, there is a deliberate move to obscure certain uh, activities and I'm so happy that this webinar is moving towards a deeper realization of this, I don't know, conspiracy. Uh, 
it's very important that you appreciated the uh, efforts of students because seriously speaking, I would not have done it if I had it to teach my third year travel writing students. They are all here and it's nothing, and there's nothing like a morning with your students' faces smiling at you. So many of us here are teachers. I am waiting for Shobhan to join because we are down to seven minutes more and uh, we'd like to take some questions if uh, there are any now. Anybody would like to make a comment or make an observation? Rico, Naveen, Nandkumar, Sonia, Clara. Yes, 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 Sonia, come in. Friend, I completely forgot that uh, this uh, this is also a part of your travel writing uh, course. So I would just like to, uh, I mean, I'm sure Shobhan would have spoken about motorcycle diaries, but I'd just like to quote from, uh, uh, you know, this this book, Motorcycle Diaries, Notes on a Latin American Journey. So I just want to say that these journeys, this grand tour which Che did as a young medical student in the 1950s uh, were actually journeys of his political awakening and uh, so I'm just going to quote uh, shortly from this the preface to this book which has been written by Che's daughter Alaida Guevara who was here recently last year and I had the privilege of translating her from Spanish to Hindi during the uh, rallies and talks uh, so I'm just going to quote and that's my comment she says that my father shows us a Latin America that few of us knew about. His awareness grows that what poor people need is not so much his scientific knowledge as a physician, he was a doctor, but rather his strength and persistence in trying to bring about the social change that would enable them to live with the dignity that had been taken away from them and trampled upon for centuries. So I think in, from the context of travel uh, writing and travel literature, it's very interesting. This preface of uh, Alayda Guevara is interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you for bringing up the question of the syllabus. And for that, uh, we need to really uh, thank the Goa University and its vision in putting out for us the CBCS uh, pattern where students, you know, can choose what they want to study. I mean, this is the first time we're doing film and, uh, you know, traveling across Latin America. I'm wondering whether I'm actually teaching or enjoying having the time of my life. So, Rico has put a uh, note here in the chat box. He says, um, we are so careless at documenting things and don't believe in keeping track of our own histories, events and trends. That is such, an, uh, such a valuable comment, Rico. We, we need to document our lived experience. Would anyone like to comment on that, uh, Naveen, perhaps? Okay. So, we are, we are kind of uh, nudging towards the end of the session. If anybody would like to say anything, now is the time to do it. Students, this is your chance to say something uh, to this distinguished audience. Uh, my third year students are very much here. Hopefully they haven't left. 
So uh, it's always happening in an online class, but uh, we did hit 60 on this meet and I'm so delighted that it has reached uh, this number. There are people waiting to get in also, but uh, you know, it's uh, the end of the line at the moment. So students, a special call for any of you would like to say something. Uh, Ma'am? Yeah, come in something. Uh, so, you, you know well that I am doing a paper on Che Guara and about Cuba. So, uh, I was like, uh, really, it's really confusing political time. Like, it's a Cold War thing going on, a uh, capitalist USSR. So, uh, what, like, uh, now we see how communist, communism is, okay? So, was it the right decision made by Che? I am really confused about this because uh, now we, uh, right, you then said that. Uh, Western people portray them differently. My paper, I felt it is different because communism now is a very controversial thing to discuss. We see China, North Korea, how in the state they are. So what is the right decision made by China? Uh, thank you, Sapna. I think Sonia would like to answer perhaps. So, Sonia, can you help us with that answer? Yeah, so I mean, this is an internal question, which system is better, you know, whether it's capitalism or whether it's uh, socialism. I think people from each region will decide. We have seen the flaws of the uh, electoral democracy, one of the oldest democracies in the world, which has just had elections. So no system, of course, is uh, foolproof. I mean, it was amazing to see the kind of... Uh, tussle which is still going on between the two presidents and, uh, you know, the president-elect and, uh, and the president, uh, previous president in the U.S. And we are seeing how the pandemic particularly has exposed. So, even in a, uh, uh, even in a, a country like New Zealand, which is not a socialist country, you see it has been able to control the pandemic because it has been able to give the, because it has been able to build a, health infrastructure for its people. So what is it that you want to give? Whether it's socialism, capitalism, don't give it a name. What we want is basic life of dignity ensured for everybody. Having said that, what I would like to say is, since I'm a, a student of Latin American studies, in Latin America, from the 1990s onward, there's a literal class war going on. You have seen what happened in Bolivia, recent elections in Bolivia, where for the first time an indigenous pre uh, president uh, was elected, uh, President Evo Morales, and last year he was brought down, there was literally a coup. This year's election again, the indigenous backed uh, movement towards socialism has won the elections in a major way. In, uh, so at least in Latin America, the idea of a state which will be able to provide a life of dignity, education, health, is actually an idea that inspires billions across the continent. And therefore, I think even the kind of socialism that will be built, Che, by the way, was very critical of the Soviet model. He said that Cuba should not repeat the kind of mistakes that uh, Soviet Union had made. And as I study only literature, he actually, in Socialism and Man, talks against uh, imposition of any kind of model or code, or for that matter, socialist realism. So I think any new society, whether it calls it, if it calls itself socialist, will have to be really democratic in its content. You know, and as far as North Korea is concerned, again, there is a hybrid war against some of these countries. 
you know, I'm not too sure I know what's happening in North Korea. Because I certainly cannot go by the huge Western propaganda machine, which demonizes, which demonizes, uh, you know, many countries. I mean, I, can, I will therefore speak about Vietnam with huge achievements as a socialist country. So I think the jury is still open on whether one system is better than the other. And I think it's the people of that country which will decide. You know, we don't want interferences from anywhere, you know. Uh, the kind we are seeing in Venezuela. US has put sanctions uh, against Venezuela and Iran, etc. So I think uh, it is too early to uh, write out the obituary of any of the systems. That's why I said fervently believed in certain ideals and though people will say Bekar mein mar gaya, bichara, and you know why did he die for those ideals, there are people who are ready to die for certain ideals. Yeah? But he said that uh, the, you may kill me but my ideas will not be killed. So I think ideas survive. Yes, so thank you thank you very much for that uh, very insightful answer. I want to share with you my experience in, you know, putting uh, part of this uh, webinar together. If you visit a couple of the bookshops here in Goa, you don't get anything on Latin America, really. How are these ideas, you see, going to percolate to students? First, well, we know about them uh, to a certain extent, but there is an absolute embargo, you know, on Latin American literature. Anyway, you won't even get a picture book for a student. Perhaps in, in Central Library, I did see a beautifully illustrated book of uh, Indian myths. Uh, that's, you know, uh, Latin American myths of creation. But that is such an esoteric place to go. It should be available for purchase. Uh, we are happy to welcome once again Shobhan Saxena and without any further ado, we invite him to continue with his plenary uh, address. Shobhan, the stage is yours. I think two minutes into your speech, oh, okay. you are, yeah, two minutes after two minutes, you can take it from there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. We not most of it, I would say. Yeah. And just, just give me a minute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Shubin? So I uh, basically...
an unprecedented example of collaboration between a Brazilian director, Argentinian music composer, Puerto Rican screenwriter, and actors who came from all across the region from Mexico to Argentina.
moved to Hollywood because this is what happens uh, in mostly emerging countries or developing countries when you become successful at home your next step is Hollywood but he I think it's a long distance, you see, from Sao Paulo to uh, Goa. And um, it seems to be showing in the connectivity. Uh, coming back to Naveen's question, he did point out that the funding for Motorcycle Diaries was by the Sundancers in the US. So, how does one look at the uh, you know, the intermeshing of capitalism and, if you like, communism. Anyone would like to take it up? Anybody? Yes, Sonia? Well, I quite agree with the observation, Minit, that, in fact, that is very uh, much happening with the Cuban film industry also because of the resource crunch and happening with many, many uh, cinema house. Argentine cinema, independent cinema is very strong. But many of these, uh, you know, uh, directors have to depend on European finance and it certainly has an impact on way uh, the final cinematic text is uh, shaped. I am. Uh, hello? Uh, come in, Naveen, come in. I agree with Professor Gupta 100% because uh, you see indie filmmaking, which is independent filmmaking, is a very risky proposition and you have to have like-minded people on board to produce it. Robert Redford for all his good looks and his killer boy image and his, you know, wonderful exploitative cinema as we could call it, is a very astute, uh, you know, person, M. and Paul Newman were in, in fact responsible for Ashley a lot of independent cinema in America. So uh, Robert Redford and his uh, board of executives got on board and asked uh, Mr. Walter Sayers, who in fact ironically happens to be the son of a billionaire. Uh, his father has founded the Brazilian banking industry. You know, he is worth 1.8 billion dollars right now. One of the richest directors in the world. Even perhaps to the tune of Mr. Um, you know, um, whichever guy you want to say in Hollywood. So uh, he got on board and uh, a lot of this film was tailor-made for Western audiences, you know, not for Latin American audiences. It was made uh, mushy and chocolatey and very, you know, Hollywoodish. Professor Hutton probably agree with me. So, uh, but, but, the entire world, this is, this is the charm of Jacob Guevara. The entire world is enamored of it. Even the, uh, you know, Americans, and uh, the Western Europeans who made it idea. But there was something in the man. And that was as Professor Gupta said earlier, he died for what he believed. There are no more people who die for what they believe in in this or last century. Thank you, Naveen. I am I'm sure that uh, we will have more to uh, listen to you in session one. That brings us to the end of the plenary. We are most happy to register
and acknowledge the presence of each and every one of you. And if I may say so, Sonia and Naveen both are very good friends of mine. Why don't you people decide it, you know, over a cup of chai because you guys are both in Delhi, right? IGNCA and Jamia Milia. I visited these two places, you know, uh, enjoying your hospitality. So oh, well done. Thank you for thank you for introducing uh, Professor Gupta to me. I'm sure uh, she's going to be a friend in future now. Yes, of course. I look forward to more interaction. Thank you, ma'am. This this is the reason why these platforms are created. Uh, we are already in the 122nd barrier now. Uh, that's when our next session is going to start. We have uh, sort of uh, kicked the uh, joining time to the winds. So. I am just going to very briefly make a few announcements and call this session to a close. We have